Okay, page 104. Uh, our first question, as usual, we begin with our first question. Question number one. What's one thing you would have trouble living without? Mm. And of course, our subject today is sell everything you own. Now that could be difficult for you, right? Sell everything you own. That's one of the things that Jesus said. And we're going to look at the context in which he said it today. But the first question we have is, what's one thing you would have trouble living without? Just one thing that you can't live without. You've got to have it. Hmm? Electricity? Okay. Anybody else? Water? Yeah. Well, definitely need that. Light and water. Okay, what else? Anything else? Oxygen. Well, you definitely need that, right? Oxygen. <laughs> Food? Okay. Good eyesight. Good eyesight? All right. Anything else tangible? I think your car, because I think mean, all of us are used now not to have to walk much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, you know. We've, as a family, we've always, we've always been accustomed to having two vehicles, and you never appreciate it until one goes down. Right. Yeah, that's right. You know, for as long as I can remember, we've always had two cars. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, every now and then, one goes down, and you get to appreciate, boy, it's good to have two cars, yeah. you know? Yeah. I'm in that position right now. Yeah? I'm going to get them extra early. Get the carpool. <laughs> yeah. Carpooling. Yeah, I pray for two, two cars to be running. Okay. All right. Uh, let's look at Bible Meets Life. Page one, one of my favorite TV shows has an episode. Episode. Mm-hmm. Episode. Where the main character's uncle died. Mm-hmm. The uncle wanted to be buried with all his favorite things. Baseball cards, old trophies, the helmet he wore, the You get the idea. He has so much stuff in his casket. They spend most of the 22 minutes episode trying to figure out how to close the casket without breaking I enjoy this episode because it is just so silly. We know these things won't be with us when we die, nor will they matter yet. Some people in the world have been buried, or planned to be buried, with this, with their possessions. No, it's true that we can't take it with us, but it, but it can still be easy to get wrapped up in all our stuff. The things we all own are not what brings us close to the God, but in some cases, like with the rich young ruler in Matthew 18, 19, those possessions can tear us away from him. Okay, so you can't take it with you. No. Your possessions will do you no good after you're gone, mm-hmm. and they can keep you from a relationship with God while you're alive. Mm-hmm. And that is what is happening now. Possessions are keeping a lot of people away from their relationship. We have a tendency to see wealth and prosperity prosperity as a sign of God's favor. This notion was expressed by some as early as the book of Job, 
And we see it still today in preachers and televangelists who say God wants us to be financially rich. We hear different messages from Jesus himself. Life is not about financial abundance and prosperity. Blessing from God is tied to a heart of obedience, not a financial portfolio. But you know, the, 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 the pharaohs were buried with their stuff. And that's why you have many people wanting to find those burial places. Because they, they buried with a lot of stuff. You know. Okay, so what is our point today? Choose Jesus or worldly wealth. Because you can live for both. Okay, choose Jesus or worldly wealth. Because... You can't live for both. And there are many people whose lives are tied up in knots right now because they're trying to live for both. And it just can't happen. We have a couple of passages that uh, we're going to look at in relation to this today. But before we do, let me give you the setting. As Jesus departed from Galilee and entered Judea on his way to Jerusalem to suffer crucifixion, the Pharisees approached him to test him concerning divorce. In spite of all this, all that, Jesus made time for those who sought him, even little children, and an individual inquiring how to attain eternal life. Let's look at the first passage we have, Matthew 19, 6 to 20. Who want to take that first one? Just then, someone came and asked, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? He said to him, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He asked him. Jesus answered, Do not do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. I have kept all these, the young man told him. What do I still lack? Continue. We know three things about the man who came to Jesus. He was young, Matthew 19, 20. He was rich, verse 22. He was a ruler, Luke 18, 18. Many religious leaders question Jesus with the intent of trapping him. But we have no need of, what, of that with this young man. He even called Jesus teacher, and he saints willing to learn from him. What he wanted to learn could be seen as a universal question. One you may have asked at some time, what good must I do to have eternal life? This young man was trying to secure his way into heaven through the practice of good deeds. It is clear from his answer in verse 20 that in spite of his actions, he sensed in his spirit something different was needed. I picture him standing with standing with writing instrument in hand, ready for Jesus' profound answer. He was crying and ready for his get into heaven to do this. Jesus challenged his way of thinking by question, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. This is our first sign that what matters is not the good we do, but the one who is good. In church, it's common to hear the phrase, God is good. Of course, it's true, God is good. The problem comes when we think we can earn right standing with God. We 
we donate to charities. We give our glass bottle or water bottle to the homeless man on the corner. We volunteer our time, resources, and energy to practical organizations. Okay, so we see that the young man uh, who approached Jesus, three things about him, he's young, he was rich, and he was a ruler. But this young man was trying to secure his way into heaven through the practice of good deeds, right? Based on his question, what good must I do to have eternal life? And there are many people who are hoping that their goodness today is going to get them to heaven. A lot of people, uh, they're going to have a rude awakening uh, when they uh, pass to go into the next life and find out that uh, their goodness and all that the good that they did uh, was not good enough. And I've noticed that the point that only God is truly good. Only God. Um, the Bible tells us that all of our righteousness slash goodness are nothing but filthy rags. Just like rags that you use to clean up messes with. Okay, nothing but filthy rags. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4-9 commands the individual to love God with all one's heart, soul, and strength. That is, with the entirety of our being. Uh, to keep the commandments. And then the, uh, the, the, the um, passage mentions a get, to he- get into heaven to-do list. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not be a false witness. False witness. Honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor. All of us, most people would, would check yes to those, to, those, to those things. And they figure that that's sufficient. You know, they've got some brownie points and that'll get them to heaven. Uh, but it's not so. God doesn't have 
a get into heaven to-do list. It doesn't exist. Man made it up. Question number two. Why is keeping certain commandments not enough to receive eternal life? Why? Jesus Okay. What was that? Repeat that. Jesus need not die for our sins if we could get ourselves into by ourselves. Okay. Right. If we could do it ourselves, what was the purpose for Jesus dying on the cross? Okay. Um, next we'll see, we'll hear Jesus' clear response to the young man's question, what do I still lack? So let's look at that next passage. I want to take that one. Matthew 21, 19, 21, 22. Two verses. If you want to be perfect, go ahead. Go ahead, Wayne. If you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, go sell your belongings and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard that, he ran away grieving, because he had many possessions. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Want to be perfect? Okay, here's what you do. Sell your possessions, give to the poor because your treasures are in heaven, follow Jesus. Easy, right? Mm. If Jesus asked you to sell everything you own to follow him, could you do it? The house, the car, TV, the washer and dryer, your great-grandmother's letters from your great-grandfather, <laughs> the grip that's been passed down from generation to generation. Jesus was asking the young man to make an enormous sacrifice. He wasn't just to sell his possessions, he was to give away the money, all of it, gone. But let's not get stuck on the possessions. Giving up our possessions is not the point of the story. The Gospels record no other time Jesus called anybody to do that. In following Jesus, Zacchaeus gave away half of all he owned and paid others four times what he owed them. Luke 19, verse 1 to 10. In this parable of the meanness, Jesus called us to use what we have wisely for his kingdom. Verse 11 27. So why did Jesus make such a radical demand of this young man? Jesus knew the man loved his worldly possessions more than he loved Jesus. This call to external obedience was a step of internal obedience to trust him. External obedience involved selling all his worldly possessions and his internal obedience was trusting God for his happiness and provisions. To follow Jesus is to place him far above everything in our lives. If those days get in the way of our full devotion and commitment, get rid of them. Brothers Simon, Peter, and Andrew walked away from their jobs. They were fishermen. Simon watched Jesus preach from his boat and decided that it was worth leaving the fishing industry to follow Jesus. Matthew 4, verse 18 20. James and John were also fishermen and gave up a thriving partnership with their father to follow the Lord. Verse 21 22. Matthew was a lucrative tax collector because before he decided to follow Jesus. 9, verse 9. Simon was a zealot. 10, verse 4. Who gave his political goals to follow Jesus. These men gladly walked away from these things to follow Jesus. Following Jesus changed their whole identities and what they thought they knew about themselves. That is a big ask from Jesus. 
but it's the ultimate act of obedience and trust. I have friends who left lucrative and powerful jobs to follow God's call to vocational ministry. Their trust was not in their own abilities or in the jobs they were doing. Their trust was, and still is, in Jesus. They trusted him enough to know he would provide for their families. The rich young ruler would have known that too had he not walked away. He couldn't do it. His heart was too wrapped around his worldly possessions that he could not give them all up. To him, what he owned was so important, it kept him from truly knowing the Lord. Initially, the man ran to Jesus, fell on his knees, and was ready to do anything to secure his place in heaven. Mark 10, verse 17. Well, almost anything. <laughs> the young man wanted eternal life, but not, a, not at that cost. Ultimately, it was his possessions that owned him. And with that, he missed out on something far greater. Okay. Um, there's a word... Uh, perfect that was used here and it means complete it means mature Jesus used this word to describe the moral character of God the Father when he said only God is good he was saying that only God the Father uh, is of good excellent perfect moral character uh, Jesus and Paul used it to point out point to the, the goal of the Christian life and that is ought to be our goal, uh, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, as the Scriptures admonishes us. But if you want to be perfect, here's what you do. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor because your treasures are where? In heaven. All right? The televangelists don't say that. They say you got out of here while you're living. Okay? The Bible says your treasures are in heaven. And then follow Jesus. If Jesus asked you to sell everything you own to follow him, could you do it? Big question, eh? The house, the car, the TV, the washer and dryer. Whatever you say goes. <laughs> the list goes on. Your great grandmother's letters from your great grandfather. Okay, the crib that's been passed down from generation to generation. Boy, people like to hold on to those cribs. Yeah. I think we just gave ours away. We gave ours to the Godparent Center. The crib that that Thaddeus slept in. We still had it. Okay. We just donated that last year. It's the Godparents Center. It was in storage. Okay? So we like to hold on to those things. Uh, Jesus' response to the young man's question, what do I still lack? He says, go sell your belongings and give them to the poor. Boy, that was a hard sell for that young man. He couldn't do that. He says, and then come and follow me. And I guess the young man's question would be, follow you for what? I mean, this stuff that I have, this is my life. <laughs> this is me. I sell all this stuff and I follow you. What is that going to give me? What am I going to get in it? What's in it for me? That's always the question, isn't it? What's in it for me? The young man's response to Jesus' command, he went away grieving, <coughs> sad. He thought the price Jesus was asking was just too high. 
He couldn't pay that. He chose to hang on to his possessions instead. And there are many people who are like that rich young man today. When they find out what the cost is involved in following Jesus, they just don't want to pay it. It's just too high. They don't want to give up on that stuff, those possessions, those things. Question number three. Why is a willingness to surrender everything necessary to follow Jesus? Why is a willingness to surrender everything necessary to follow Jesus? I think you need to make him number one, like your main focus, instead of getting things, getting things, getting things. Okay, you need to to make him number one, distraction. Things have a tendency to distract. Once sooner or later, you're going to have to decide whether this stuff is going to rule me or what Jesus says is going to rule me. Two masters, you can't serve two masters. Okay, you will love one or hate the other. Okay, you just can't give the full devotion to both. Focus. Okay. All right, next we will hear Jesus explain to his disciples why, why it will be so difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Let's look at that last passage we have. Uh, verses 23 to 26. Who want to take that one? Last one. I will. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly astonished and asked, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Jesus made a profound statement to his disciples as the rich young man walked away, and he uttered it twice. Truly, I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were in awe and completely confused. People commonly believed wealth was a sign of God's favor and blessing. If a person was rich, he was thought to be the perfect candidate for heaven. And on top of that, this rich young ruler was a great guy by anyone's standard. He obeyed all the commandments. He honored his mother and father. He didn't murder, steal, or do harm to others. He was even a synagogue leader. So why is it so hard for the rich to enter heaven? So long as their wealth takes priority, they lack the relationship with God that he desires. They depend on what they have instead of depending on God. This young man's heart was tied to his possessions and wealth. And that left no room for a relationship with God. This man assumed the things he owned gave him more fulfillment, even though he knew something was lacking, than he would have if he trusted and followed Jesus. But what if the tables were turned? 
What if he sold his stuff, separated himself from personal success and wealth, basically everything he knew, and followed Jesus? He definitely would not have walked away sorrowful. He would have had freedom and joy that come with having a personal relationship with the Lord. That's true for us, too. When we find our identity in Jesus and not in the things of this world, we experience freedom. When we trust and follow Jesus, the chains of bondage break, allowing us to live in freedom from anger and bitterness. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8.2. Peace, the peace we seek and desire, comes from Jesus and only Jesus. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. John 14, 27. Joy. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. The rich young ruler missed all this. He was a perfect example of Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We cannot be all in for Jesus while obsessing over the things that we own. We can't follow him when we're chasing money. It is impossible to have the mind of Christ when our thoughts are consumed with our financial portfolio. Our relationship with God should be the center of everything on which we set our eyes and heart. Is that hard? Yes, but it's not impossible. With God, all things are possible. Trust and follow him and see what amazing things he does. Okay, so we finally have the answer to why it's so hard for the rich to enter heaven, right? So long as their wealth takes priority, we read, they lack the relationship with God that he desires. That's the relationship that God desires. And God desires us to have a relationship with him, but he qualifies what that relationship ought to be, not us. They depend on what they have instead of depending on God. This young man's heart was tied to his, you could say shackled, chained and bolted to his possessions and wealth. And that left no room for a relationship with God. But we find also, we note in the, in the notes that uh, we experience what we experience when we find our identity in Jesus and not in the things of the world. What do we have? According to what we read, three things. Freedom. Freedom. Joy, peace. peace. And joy. And joy. Would you sacrifice anything for freedom, peace, and joy? Everybody wants freedom, right? Nobody wants to be in bondage to anything. We all want freedom. We all want peace, right? Yes. That's the reason why people put their bolts and their stuff on their doors and security and alarms and all that stuff. Because they want peace. They don't want people coming and bothering them. We want joy. We don't need to walk around with long faces, right? We want to have joy. 
Okay, so question number five. Four. How, four. Miss Hall. Okay. In what ways can wealth and possessions get in the way of following Jesus? Well, we answered that one, right? Yeah. Okay. Distracted. Distraction. Okay, five. Question number five. How can we own possessions without possessions owning us? Giving to the Lord and sharing with others. Okay, giving to the Lord and sharing with others. Okay. Anyone else? Hmm? Trust in God and, um, you know, He is, um, He provides everything for us. Okay. Trusting in God and what He provides and not in the possessions that we have. A lot of people put more trust in what they have uh, and what they possess than the trust that they place in God. And when their trust in their things fail, then they call on God. God said, where were you all along? Because sometimes some people, once they lose everything, then they may try to look for God. But once they have stuff, they feel like the stuff is... Could help them. Yeah. They, 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 they got money so they could buy their way out of whatever. But like when you're in sickness and stuff like that, yeah, money will be gone in no time. That's right. But you watch you. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do we flesh this out? How do we live this out? Page 113. Having money and wealth is not wrong or sinful. But when it gets in the way of our relationship with Christ, it's a sin. Take action by following one of these steps. Trust. If you've been trying to be good and moral in order to gain a good standing with God, acknowledge the futility of it. Trust Christ and be obedient to his word as a response to his grace in your life. That's number one, trust. Two, audit. Walk through your residence and look at the things you own. Review each line of your financial statement. What do these possessions and purchases say about what's important to you? Consider ways you can use what God has given you to honor him and build up his kingdom. And then sell. Sell what you don't need or give it away. If you are possessions that consume your time in an unhealthy way or tempt you to focus on anything but Christ, sell it. Don't let anything come between you and following Christ. Sell it or give it away. Well, let me put a plug in right here. Mm-hmm. We can always use clothes and especially shoes mm-hmm. if you want to clean out those closets and give away things in as much. So okay. bring it to the Red Box or to the Christian Counseling Center. Give it to one of us or the church office. And um, mm-hmm. there are lots of people who will appreciate it. Okay, very good. That's a good plug-in for Operation In As Much. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever you don't need... Give it to those who could use it. And again, your life is not in the abundance of possessions. Luke 12, 15. Uh, don't let money or possessions come between you and following Christ. Okay? Because it can't do anything to get you into heaven. Because anything that comes between you and Christ is closer to Christ than you. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Okay. 
let's close in prayer because we got a big box here and I believe there's cake in that. And make sure you don't leave without your piece of cake, all right? Let's pray. Father, help us to make following Jesus first priority in our lives. Bless us uh, with your benediction as we leave here, but not your presence. We pray for the service to follow. We pray, Father, for Sister Brenda once again as she celebrates another birthday. And we ask your blessings upon the cake that will be distributed this morning. Get glory for yourself as we give thanks in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.